Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. We've been doing a series on New Covenant benefits, and it came out of a, it's a, and we're on number nine, number nine, number nine, for those of you who understand that. Um, and it came out of a, of a whole series of an interaction I had with God about my still n- knowing more of what the Ten Commandments were that I knew that better than what I understood about the new benefits of the new covenant. And I went, what? And so it started with Psalm 103, which said, bless the Lord. We sort of know it, huh? Forget not all his benefits. And forget not all his benefits. And that's what this came out of. Because it was actually during a time of worship. And the Lord was calling me into, at at the beginning of summer, into... Coming back into the heart of worship, I loved what Michael said this morning. And just being firmly rooted and grounded into what worship is. And just the Holy Spirit just whispering to me, he said, worship really springs from a grateful heart. And when you remember the benefits, what God has done and given to you, your heart automatically moves into gratefulness. When your heart moves into gratefulness, you know what the result is? worship a grateful heart is always a worshiping heart even when the gratefulness is is in the very simplistic things or the very complex things and you're just going thank you god for getting me through this no matter what it always moves us to an attitude of worship because gratefulness focuses our attention up to the one who has given us all things necessary for life and godliness He's already given it to us. So we've been going through these benefits, and some people have been getting out their smart phones and snones phones. Their smartphones and actually snapping these slides, and I tried to put it in your bulletin. I don't think they would get it all in the front. But So if you want to take snapshots of it, I don't, I don't mind. If you want to get one of me, I'll do the power and authority. <laughs> you know, little, And you can, like, you know, Photoshop it and put a little lightning bolt come in there. And... No. Not... You guys have to understand, I like Jimmy Fallon and that kind of stuff. Like one of the routines I want to do is a thank you routine some Sunday morning where I have Dave Price up, you know, up there on the uh, keyboards doing the little song that Jimmy does. Have you guys watched that? Yeah. So I have a whole series of thank yous. It includes some of you. And I could write a little. You guys are not with me this morning. Here's benefit number nine. And yes, oh, by the way, last week uh, there was a glitch and it didn't get recorded, but we're going to try and pull it off the DVD and I hope to have it up. And uh, so the previous two weeks are up on the website. I'm back into town and back into work mode. So we will have that. Here's new covenant. 
And you have to understand what that actually means, new covenant, old covenant. Old covenant, and the reason we call it that, and the reason we call it the Old Testament, is actually there's several covenants in the Old Testament. The primary one that we, that we know and look at is the covenant of law or the covenant of Moses. We're under a new covenant brought by and through Jesus, and it's a covenant between Father and Son. God the Father and the Son Jesus, and we're the recipients of that new covenant. So when we say that, when we say we have benefits, most of us go through and we, we don't really understand what they are. Well, this is, I listed out 10. Listen, there's way more than 10. There's way, way, you can find your own. You can do your own study on this. Uh, let it be a jump off point to add. Come up with another 10. Um, I don't know, maybe I'll return to this teaching next year and do 11 through 20, but I think we'll do 10 for now. So this is number nine, and it's this. We have received inherited authority. We have authority because of the covenant that Jesus made and fulfilled between he and God on our behalf. And that covenant, that, that very thing granted unto us. Now, do I have the exact same authority of God? Can I create Pluto? No. But you have an inherited authority that is immense. As I did this teaching, one of the things that I remembered, uh, a, a vivid scene. How many of you saw the movie Lincoln? You, you watched that movie. Well, here's one. Some of you didn't go see it. You didn't go see that movie or rent it or whatever you do now. Get it on Netflix or something. It's called Lincoln. Daniel Day-Lewis did an incredible acting job. But there's a scene where they're debating politics with his cabinet. And they're deciding whether they can pass the amendment to actually change the laws regarding slavery. It's at the end of the Civil War and everything. And there's a scene where they're questioning what can be done, what can be done, you know, and all his, all his cabinet members are arguing among themselves, and he slaps the desktop. And it's just like, it's startling, you know, you think of who, you know, did Lincoln really do that? I don't know, but it's a great scene. <laughs> and he says this statement, I am the President of the United States, clothed with immense power. And you just go, ooh, don't mess with the tall guy. Do not mess with the bearded man. Do not. You know, that's us in this life. We are clothed, clothed. God has given us as a benefit to our lives, to you and I, in everyday life, with incredible authority. When I, when I was doing this teaching, I, I thought of the Psalms, which is always a, a, a difficult Saying, and you can get it, you know, I know it's led some people into weirdness, but he, you know, this, it's this. Do you not know that you're gods, and yet you will die in your sin like mere mortals? I think what that's saying is, you don't recognize who you are. You don't recognize you're a son or daughter of the most high God clothed with immense power and authority. 
And yet we yield our lives to so many things. So that's what this benefit's about. I've got a whole bunch of scriptures there. We're going to go through some of them individually. But it's so that you'll do study. This is how I know. You'll grow in this stuff if you study it. You just listen to me, you'll grow, well, a little. You do it on your own and start writing stuff down. And knowledge and wisdom starts increasing. So let's go to the next slide. And look, look at this in detail. Romans 5.17. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one. He's talking about Adam. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will do what? Will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Reign means to have authority. It's a word that's connected with kingdom. We have kingdom authority. Now, I know in the past, and especially with the charismatic church, that's got into, you know, strange things. And you guys have probably seen some of the same strange stuff I've seen. And people circling and yelling at demonic things and that kind of stuff. And you just kind of go, oh. yeah, or maybe you were one of those, and I was one of those at one point. I did that stuff. But I think there's a time to do that stuff. I'm not making light of it or fun of it at all, but what I'm saying is I think for many people, there's been a drawing back going, "Eh, what is all that? And yet there's this. We were designed by what Jesus did in the new covenant to reign in life. To have authority in life. To know that we have authority in and over life. We have great power. Great power. Let's do the next slide. This is Second Peter 1. Uh, by the way, I didn't have to do uh, verse 2, but I wanted to because I like it. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That means if you grow in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, look what gets multiplied. Grace and peace. You want more grace? Find out more stuff about God. You want more peace? Find out more stuff about God. Just look something up and paste it on your refrigerator. As his divine power is given to us, how many things? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. That's actually his glory, his virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is great authority. This is incredible authority. I've been given a new nature. There's a lot lot of controversy about that. You don't have a sin nature anymore if you're a believer. You have a Jesus nature. You've escaped that. You've been given that. There's not a war going on on inside of you. Though times it feels like it, doesn't it? But that's actually, Paul teaches very clearly in Romans 6, 7, and 8, and especially in 7. 
It's outside of you because you have an inherited new nature. You're a divine partaker. You partake of God's divinity. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The spirit of God is in you and it's joined. It's knit. You can't separate it. You can't divide. Well, that was me and that was God. It's you, God. God in you. All the stuff that he promised in John 15, remember what Michael was saying in worship, is right there to us. And we can escape things. We have authority. I think of all the things that uh, plague humankind and I think in, in terms of the word lust, we always, we always think in the terms of sexual lust. Don't know why. Maybe it's just the way the connotation of the word works today. But lust is just like, lust is desire out of control. It's wanting stuff and wanting stuff and wanting stuff. And never feeling like you got enough. It's, we have incredible authority over that area of my life because we've escaped that. You're not bound to it. You believe me? You are no longer bound to it. We'll look at it in more detail later. Let's go to the next slide. How did I get this kind of inheritance? It's literally through adoption. Romans 8 14 through 17, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we might also be glorified together. This is the suffering that we did and that we're doing. We're still here. We're, we're still here in, on this earth. And there's suffering. Think of the stuff that Brenda talked about. There's still icky stuff here on the earth. It hasn't been completely redeemed. The price for the redemption has been paid. It's why the whole earth is longing for you and I to take up our authority. Longing for it. Wanting it. Deeply desiring it. I've got to get back to a cordless mic. We've been given this through adoption. God is your father. The name for God is your father. In the the old covenant, that didn't happen. He was not referred to as father. This is a new covenant inheritance. God is my father now. Through Jesus. So you jump ahead two chapters, John 17. Remember Michael was talking about John 15. John 17 says this. As the Father is in me, and I am in the Father, so I will be in you. And you will be in me. 
in the same way, knowing God as Father, and this has been our great inheritance. It's your prayer. When you receive an inheritance, it's every benefit that goes with it. Look at this next slide. Because Jesus has authority. He declared this openly in the Gospel of John. He says, hey, I have the authority to take up my life or lay it down. I have the authority to forgive sins or not forgive them. I have the authority. He had no doubt about who he was. We still do. And yet we have that very similar authority. The story of the prodigal. It always gets related, and I, I understand that, how we do, and I haven't taught on the prodigal for a couple years. I need to go back and re, reteach that. But you see, here's a picture. The prodigal son story is an incredible story of restored inheritance, of what God has given. So we all know the story well about the prodigal. He comes back, and the, you know, the first thing God the Father does is he puts a robe on his back, a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet. The ring, back then, was a declared open authority. If you had the ring of the family, that meant you were the one, it it was like MasterCard. There, just put that in your little sliding machine. It meant that you carried the wealth of the father. You inherited that ring. The robe meant that everybody understood who you were. You were clothed with authority. The sandals took away all the shame. You will never walk destitute. You walk in your father's shoes. This is a birthright. This was given. He just declares it so openly in this story. This loving God, this loving father says, I'm going to give you that kind of authority. Look at Ephesians 1. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. I have authority. You have authority. How come I let so many things get to me then? We don't exercise it. We don't grow in the knowledge and the understanding of it. Here's the kicker. We don't believe it. We don't believe it. When we start receiving this and believe that we walk in that kind of authority, you'll start speaking and acting in a different way. It just happens. You know when you have authority. You understand it. You quit doubting about who you are. So authority over what? Let's look at three areas of life. Kind of a biggie. There's more, but I picked three. So let's go to the next slide. Sin. You have authority over sin and sinning. Romans 6, 5 says this, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Did he have authority over death? Did he raise from the dead? Did he have any doubt about it? Did you ever read in any of the passages where he was going, huh, I wonder how the father did that. He knew exactly. He said, I have the authority to take it up. My father granted this unto me. That same authority. Look, we have been united together in the likeness. And verse 6 says, knowing this, that our old man was, not is, was, past tense, crucified with him. Was your old man crucified? Eight of you believe it? Was your old man crucified? He either was or he wasn't. If he wasn't, come on, let's get out the cross. No. It's been, it's a done deed. Old man was crucified with him that the body of what? Of sin might be where? Gone. That we should no longer be slaves. It no longer controls us. No longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. He took up his authority, we take up our authority. Next slide. Likewise, in the same manner, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. You reckon? Reckon means figure it out and apply it. If you reconcile an account, it means they equal up. You reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. See, here's the difficulty with sin. Sin's a big difficulty, right? It's the big plague thing. You think about it all the time. I don't anymore, but... Not that I don't sin. When you start taking up your authority to do this, something really dynamic begins to happen. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He used this passage of scripture in explaining, he said, what is true of Christ is true of you. He died, you died. He was buried, you were buried. He rose, you rose as a new being again clothed with immense power you don't have to submit to sin well Lloyd you've taught in grace that sin no, doesn't matter it's, it's gone it's done away with yes sin in the, you, you have to understand this in the vertical sense all of your sin has been paid for is wiped out and is cleansed by the blood. It's been removed from you as far as east is from the west. Hebrews says this. It's been forgotten by God. That's the vertical. Between God and I, 
he will only see my righteousness in Christ. You mess up here on the earth, and that thing goes horizontal. And I will tell you this. If you don't feel guilty when you sin, something's wrong. If you did it, you did it. We mix up guilt and condemnation. Well, Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation. That's an adjudication. There isn't. There's no penalty for it. But the fact that you did it, your heart will feel guilty. You did it. That's the horizontal effect. If you submit to sin and do something wrong that hurts you or somebody else, you will feel bad about it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. This isn't rocket science. It's really not. It's not a huge, hard equation. But I don't have to get it right with God. It's been made right with God. But I will with you. If I shoot my mouth off and say something ugly and hurt your feelings, which I would purpose in my heart never to do, But have you noticed that even when you purpose in your heart, you can still do wrong things? I can purpose in my heart to never hurt anybody and be sure that I will stumble and fall flat on my face and do something and my words go... You know, do you ever have the words go out of your mouth and you're going, no! That especially happens when you're... Do we have any of the teens left in here? That's especially true when you're young teenager you know and the the very words i hate you when you're dealing with your mom and the words are going out of your mouth and you go no i don't no i don't no i don't i'm just angry and can't control my mouth i love you so much and i know that you provide well for me but they come out and they, they do damage does it matter a lot how do you make it right i'm sorry i shot my mouth off and i hurt your feelings Would you forgive me? Between you and God, it's right. Well, don't you have to go do the same thing with God? You think he didn't know already? You've got to remember, this is out... See, we're stuck. We're finite. This is outside of time. God paid for your sins. Go to God because you are forgiven. Don't go to God to get forgiven. Once you're forgiven, you're forgiven. It's the internal one on you. You have, but here's the glorious thing. You have great authority to not sin because he's forgiven you of all sin. It's an inherited authority. We just don't operate in it. We don't use the knowledge that we've gained, the understanding that we gain, and apply it in real life settings, in real life situations. You do not have to sin. This is the other thing I find out. The more I'm focused on what he did for me, the less sin conscious I actually am. The less sin conscious I am, the less temptation comes. I just don't think about it anymore. I've been freed from that. It really does work. Go to the next slide. This is a secondary of authority. The world. Brenda talked about it this morning. 1 John 2, verse 15, it's not up there, but it says this. Do not love the world or the things of the world, because everything in the world is what? Lust the eye, lust the flesh, pride of life. It's withering, it's death, it's dying. 
We have been given incredible authority to not be consumed by that. Not have to absorb what's going on. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't be conformed. We looked at this last week. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have the mind of Christ. That means I think redemptive thoughts. That means when I read the word of God, It brings a change in my thinking, which is true repentance. That's actually what metanoia means, the word that we translate into English. Not a good word in English, repent, means to pay the penalty again and again. Repentance, repent, It's it's just not a very good word. It doesn't fit very good. We change the meaning of it to mean something that we want it to mean, but you really don't want it to mean that. You don't want to pay the price over and over and over and over again. Do you? If you do, change your way of thinking. Repent. Think completely different about something. Have your thoughts. Come on, Mark taught about this a couple weeks ago. Come out of that primary early school stuff. Start to graduate into this. My thinking is different. You see, in the transforming power that Jesus gave you, it's not whether, whether you want to do something or not do something. If you've been redeemed, sin is unthinkable. It's not the law that keeps me from sinning. It's unthinkable. It's irrational. To a believer, it is irrational. I am not going to wake up tomorrow morning and go... I think I'll go down to Casey's and get a little extra money this morning. I'll just take their money. And if that guy mouths off to me, I'll just shoot him dead. What the heck? I don't think that way. It's unthinkable. Now that's over a major area, but let me tell you, in all areas of this, especially with the world pulling on you, it's unthinkable. They keep trying to convince you that tide is better and newer. It's the same old tide they had when I was 10. All the, all the ingredients that they add to make it better and richer, it, it, it's not the main ingredient. Tide's tide. But they'll draw on your love. You're going to get this and your clothes is going to be incredibly better, brighter, shinier, and you succumb to that? No, it's not. If I don't see this, if I don't go get that, you have great authority. Let Father know what you need. Tell him about it. Take authority over those areas that are gripping at your heart and pulling at you and trying to tear you away. For the grace of God, this is Titus 2, that brings salvation is appeared to all men, teaching us what? Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Does that mean we can't have any fun? No. It means that I look at those things that try to pull me away from who I am, my real identity, and go, "Uh uh-uh, I don't have to live that way. I have great authority. I was made 
for holiness. You look in the mirror and you just go, Lloyd, you incredibly beautiful, holy, righteous man. You ever done it? Okay, my challenge for you is tomorrow morning when you get up, yeah, and you, you know, well, if you're my age, you got the little baggy stuff hanging and, you know, throw some cold water on there, tighten up, tighten up. And you, you look at that image and you say, Lloyd, chosen and loved by God, righteousness walking the earth, the righteousness of Christ, where you go this day and what you do this day will reveal the Son of God to everybody who comes into contact with you. You start thinking maturely like that and declaring that with that kind of authority? Well, yeah, I've done that before. And you get the resistance on the other end and the enemy attacks you. Stop it. You have great authority. Great authority. To speak and say no and yes. And to actually deny the the things that are not godly. You know, I, I don't know how you are, but like even when the like the when the weird commercials come on, you know, like the really like the demonic shows, like what? I don't understand this why people pay money to go get scared by demonic images on a screen. Of course, I don't understand worlds of fun. Why would you ride that ride that scares you? I do not understand some of your human nature in this. Uh, worlds of fun is worlds of boredom to me. I used to do youth ministry all the time. That was worlds of boredom. Walk around watching kids go, ah, wasn't that scary? No, I ain't going to do that. You know, go be with my son. He likes to fly upside down with his hair on fire. Not for me. Give me a boat, a slow boat, and a little fishing rod. Go to the next slide. Here's the real issue. Sin... The world, it's easy to say no to the world. You want to be like Donald Trump? No. Especially that hair. Oh, boy. I have to do some editing. But the real area is this. You know what a mark of maturity is? Somebody who walks in self-control, really understands the authority over self really walks that way. Look at 2 Peter 1.5. Also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith what you believe, virtue, to virtue, knowledge. This is the stuff Brenda and Mark were talking about two weeks ago. And look at verse 6. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love, Look at verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in what? You have been granted great authority of self-control. Do you know what the Pareto principle is? Maybe you know what Pareto principle is. No. Okay, a couple of you business leaders do. It's 80-20. It's called the 80-20 principle, and it works in so many areas of life. It's just like in giving, you know. 20% of the people give 80% of the income. 
our church. Might even be smaller than that here. I don't know. Might not be. I don't care. But this this principle goes over and over and over again. Why are you saying that? Because we spend 80% of our time trying to control the things that we cannot control. Whether it's a spilled glass of milk, something as simple as that, and trying to control whether your four-year-old spilled it or not, to trying to control how work goes, what your boss does, why Oprah says that. We're caught so many things. Listen, you know what real authority is? I walk in self-control. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. We were designed. This is one of the greatest areas of authority in our life is self-control. I can control me. Even in conflicts, um, in, in recent conflicts, again, that have come up in, in my sphere, in my area, it's amazing to me how well you can see somebody else's patterns of behavior and cannot see your own. I can tell that person, uh, Arla, I'll pick on you because I haven't picked on you for a while. Arla, you do this, this, and this, and this, and this. You're playing Captain Obvious. You think she doesn't know that? Oh, especially when it's about sin. And you know what else you did wrong? You know what I know about believers? When you sin, you know you sin. Nobody has to come and tell you. We, we, we tend to play Captain Obvious with each other. You know that was wrong. <laughs> no, I really thought it was okay for me to shoot that guy. Come on, we, we know it's wrong. And I can see Arla's behavior so clearly, and it's so difficult to see my own patterns. So maturing is being able to recognize and go, no, I have great authority there. I have great authority. I can guard this thing. James says this about her. He says, hey, be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Quick to hear. Slow to speak. Quick to hear. Slow to anger. Doesn't say you won't be angry. It says, oh, it'll slow way down. You can exercise. How is this connected with Jesus? He lives in you. And he has great control, great authority. If he didn't, I'll tell you what, world politics is lucky I'm not really God because it'd all be crispy critters. There's one little burn from the laser eye. Oh, really? You guy in North Korea? It's my daughter's prayer at dinner, you know. She goes through all the God blessing and then, and then asks God to kill all the bad guys. Bless mommy, bless daddy. Bless New Day Church, bless all these things, and kill the bad guys, God. I understand that. It's hard to deal with injustice, but I can still walk in self-control. I was made to walk in self-control. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives in me. And the last time I look, God's always in control. God's always in control. 
He knows who he is, and he doesn't have a doubt about it. And this can go even to our tongue. Go even to our thoughts. You can walk in self-control. You were designed for you. You have great authority to have control over yourself. The person who walks in self-control, I trust. I really trust that person. Because they exercise authority and they understand those things. Let me go to the last slide. Oh, wait. Yeah, go to the next one. And we'll close out with this. How do I exercise it? There's two scriptures for it. Speak it, practice it. This is very practical. Speak it. And remember, this is a benefit. I can speak authority. And I can practice authority. 2 Corinthians 4 says, I believed and therefore I spoke. One of the ways to move out of things is stop speaking unbelief. Start speaking what's right and true. Start speaking that which is believed right. Start speaking it over your children, over your spouses, over your work, over your plans. Start speaking it in the right way. And then look at 1 John 3. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who righteousness is does that mean you make it every time no you're practicing but when I practice it I am righteous just as he is righteous because he is I am because he is I am righteous and I can walk in that and I begin to practice it in my life when it starts happening changes everything okay last slide I'm going to have the team come up because we're going to take communion we're hitting that slide and then he's going to come on up here you can write any four of these down I don't think they're in your bulletin you can write all four of them down take it this week Practice this stuff. Look at it. Make it very, listen, the word of God and what we teach on Sunday morning. I know some mornings I really like to preach. I wanted this to be really practical so that you could take it. Do things like this. What area of your life, and can I have ushers come forward and begin to pass out the, the elements? What area of your life would you like to have more authority? Write it down. Journal about it. If it's an area of, I shoot my mouth off too much, listen, there are, uh, I memorized 24 Proverbs. This was years ago. I've forgotten most of them by now. I memorized, when, when God was dealing with about the issue of my tongue and my speech, I memorized them. I, I committed to memory. I can still tell you some of them, you know. There's Proverbs 13, 18. 18 says this, he who judges the matter before he hears it, it's a shame and folly unto him. And the word judgment there means to speak out. To speak out a judgment over something before you've really heard the whole thing. It'll come back and be a shame to you. We are designed to walk in self-control. We were made for this. So 
ask yourself, what area of life do you want more authority in? What are some practical steps you can take to control those areas? Ask yourself the hard questions. That's what grace does. Grace doesn't make everything messy. Grace makes everything crystal clear. Crystal clear. It shines right in on what the real issue is. And she said, well, what do I need to do? Here's what I found. It almost always has something to do with the Word of God. Either reading it, memorizing it, writing it down, studying it. We've been given this great joy in the last four centuries of having the Word of God. We can carry, now you can carry a whole library of study around in that little phone that you have. And it's right there available. Very practical steps, and it's right there, and there's an answer. So, number three, find scriptures regarding them. Write them down. Begin to pray them. This is how I found exercising authority really works. To take the Word of God and pray it over my life. To actually pray it, speak it out, and say, Lloyd, you will. Well, that's just positive thinking. No, it's not. It's practicing great authority. I am clothed with immense authority. And when I start taking up that authority and actually doing it, praying it, it changes. Here's the fourth one, and this always works. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody at work. Tell somebody at the house. Parents, tell your kids. Can't show myself that vulnerable. They know. Come on, they know. You're trying to hide stuff for your kids? You forgot you were a kid, and you knew. I, I knew about my mom and dad. They know. You fool a fool, you con a con, but you can't kid a kid. They know. How little should I tell? Just tell them, hey, I've really been struggling with shooting my mouth off, and I'm using the scripture. You know what that's going to do inside of your kid? When they hear that you're actually doing something with your faith, you're saying, and I'm taking up and I'm going to practice and I'm trying to get better at this. Why are you telling me this? You're too much information. Don't tell me that. Because I just want you to know how real it is. And talk real with them. It changes everything. Tell somebody at work. Tell a friend. Tell a spouse. I'm taking up my authority on this. These are the scriptures. Will you pray for me? And there's something that happens when we do that with each other. There's also something that happens when we do this. Take communion. Have you ever taken communion during the middle of the week when you were alone? Something happens in the human soul. You see... Communion's just a symbol, and yet it's more. Communion's something very deep that has the recognition that this is an inheritance I've received. This is who I am in Christ. Have you ever taken communion on your worst days? On the worst time? 
instead of hiding from God, run directly into his arms and say, I'm taking communion right now. I need to remind myself. That's what Peter said. Remind yourself. Stir yourself up. Isn't it hard to do it on your first day? You know, your worst day? When you really try it. I challenge you. See, the, the, the problem with sin is we still like to run away from God when we sin. We still try and hide. Even the grace people, when I talk to them, they still try and run and hide. Don't hide. He forgave you. Here he did it. Go back and you're not reminding him. Who are you reminding? You. So we're going to remind ourselves this morning. Would you hold the bread with me? Jesus, because you knew what a worse day was like, you paid the price. You gave your body on my behalf so I could grow in my knowledge and understanding of who you are. I could recognize what was done. So I do that again this morning. I recognize that you are my God. I recognize that you did this for me, for me. I recognize with authority that this, this is the only thing that makes a human okay, makes me okay. So I receive it with that kind of authority. I'm okay. I'm okay because of what you did. And I receive it, partake. And this blood cleansed it all. I walk in newness of life. I have authority because of your blood. You said there was power in the blood. I receive that power again into me that I will speak and practice that which I am who I am in you and I receive it again in Jesus name.